You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. This is your mother's throne, Your Grace. Have you come to save us, Clara? No. I'm sorry. I didn't even know this place existed before today. You see, I was looking for a Christmas present from my godfather. I love Christmas. What's Christmas? And then I ran into this horrible little mouse. And that's where I met the captain. We barely escaped Mother Ginger and the Mouse King. Oh, you met Mother Ginger? Oh, my dear Clara, you're lucky to be alive. You must promise never to go back to the land of amusements, Clara. Has been rescinded. Oh, of, of course. I meant the fourth realm. Apologies. I'm just so upset. Forget I ever mentioned the land for Hello and welcome to the 602 Club Trek FM's local watering hole coming at you from the fourth realm this week. I'm so excited to be here. I've got to say, it looks gorgeous here. Now that things have been fixed up, the land of amusements is really nice. So very excited to be here. And uh, I'm joined uh, by none other than the fantastic Christy Morris. How's it going, Christy? Oh, thank you. I love that intro. <laughs> I'd like to be the, the fantastic from the land of flowers. If I can. Well, um, I could see you being a flower girl, you know? Yeah. Um, I could totally see that happening, you know, flowers in your hair kind of thing. I was once when I was four. Get it? Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> there you go. You know, my sister was as well um, when she was very young, I think oh, about two, and she laid down and fell asleep on the stairs oh. at the wedding. That's what's so um, cute about flower so, girls. Yeah. But anyway. It was, anyway, everybody thought it was cute because she was too. <laughs> but, you know, you can't do that when you get older. No. You know, your friends want you to be in their wedding and everything. And just, yeah. So. But, yeah. Best reason to go to a wedding is when they have open bar. Oh, yeah. So. We didn't. <laughs> you would have hated yeah. our wedding. Uh, no, we didn't either. So I'm just saying, oh, you know, okay. it's, it's it. But when you got those people who can afford it, yeah. hmm, they, thank God for that. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to the 602 Club. This is an open bar. We're glad that you're here. Christy and I are going to be diving into the Nutcracker in the Four Realms, the latest film from Walt Disney Pictures, uh, talking about that. But before we do, just want to remind you that uh, you can find the 602 Club wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you know, honestly, uh, we're all over the place, so maybe you're listening on Spreaker, maybe you're listening on Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify even. You can find us all over the place there. Um, but, you know, people still tend to get most of their podcasts, and, and I know that uh, you've probably heard this before, but 
people really do. Like most of the listening actually still comes from an Apple device. So whether it's uh, you know your iTunes on your computer or whether it's your Apple Podcasts, it really does help when people give us a star rating and review over there on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So please do that. Um, it helps people find the show. If you like the 602 Club and you're listening, um, just head over there. Give us a quick star rating and review, and we'll let people know what you think of the show uh, by reading out your review on the show. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, at TrekFM, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. We also have our listeners-only discussion group, so if you would like the opportunity... To be able to talk to listeners from all over, uh, you can find us over there. Take Babel into the search field on Facebook because it's called the Babel Conference. Or if you go over to the website at track.fm, hit discussion on any of the menu bars, and that will bring you over there, and you can join the group. It's a lot of fun. It's a great place to talk to people from all over the world listening to Trek FM shows. Uh, and then last but not least, like I said, you can find us on Trek.fm. And if you wanted to send us an email, you can go over to, uh, and you know, it's been a while since we've gotten some emails. So go over to Trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and then that'll come to me and any host that's on that week. And we can talk to you about whatever it is you want to talk about. I was interested in this one, Christy, because uh, for me, the ballet is something that's been with me pretty much my whole life, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the Nutcracker. And um, I wondered for you, was this a movie that you were excited about? Uh, had you had experience with the ballet? Have you seen it? Did you grow up with the music? What, what's your connection with the Nutcracker? So I will say I also grew up with the Nutcracker being a part of my life. Um, I actually went with my aunt, my mom, and my little sister to see it at the Fabulous Fox Theater in Atlanta. Oh, nice. Um, which was beautiful. I mean, if you ever want that experience of sitting like in a balcony in a huge auditorium seeing a play on the stage with the full orchestra down front it's an incredible experience mm. it's expensive but it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing um so that was the first time i ever saw the ballet and then um we also always listened to it at christmas time um just the music um and and really listening to stuff like that with my dad um got me into listening to more orchestral stuff in the first place so I, I had a lot of experience with this before ever seeing this movie, but I, I kind of heard about the movie The Nutcracker in Their Four Realms as like an afterthought. Um, I think you were the first person to mention to me, are you going to go see that? And I was kind of hesitant because I've seen the ballet before and I knew this might have to be a little bit different and wasn't sure if I liked that, but it changed my mind. I'm not going to give too much away yet, yeah. but... That's cool though, and and I it's funny because I have very uh, similar story. You know, for me, uh, we we saw the ballet uh, as kids. My sister and I, my parents took us to see it. Um, grew up with the music, obviously, and um, you know, I I'm a big fan of of Christmas music. As we're recording this, um, it is November fifth, and I've already been listening to some Christmas music. No, and I've already listened to the Nutcracker a few. It's times. not even Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I just, I just love Christmas, and so, and I love the the music for the Nutcracker. So, yeah. uh, and then uh, a few years back, went and saw the Nutcracker again as an adult with some friends of mine, um, and that was really, really fun to be able to do and experience it that way. Um, you know, as an adult, mm -hmm. and you know, it, uh, they would have it play on like PBS at Christmas time as well, like you 
to just have a broadcast of the ballet. So I've seen it many, many times and in many different ways, you know, interpretations for the ballet. But I, I grew up loving it. And so for me, the fact that they were going to make a story out of the idea of the Nutcracker and, and turn it into a movie was really interesting to me. Um, I definitely knew, like you, that they would change it or do something different. It wouldn't just be straight up the ballet. And um, so I guess that's kind of a good question to ask you you know overall with the 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 way that the movie kind of portrays the world of the nutcracker uh did you did you end up liking it did you feel like it worked and it felt um like it paid a good homage to that but also was its own thing i do um overall i definitely enjoyed it and felt like it told a compelling story Uh, and i think that visually there was a lot um, that was beautiful about the way that the costuming especially was done, but, you know, the um, scenery as well. But I, I did feel like there wasn't enough ballet in it for me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've heard that. It, it was just a little taste. Um, and then I um, felt like the only character that kind of let me down a little bit was Clara. I felt like she wasn't as developed as I would like to have seen, like a, a big enough turn in her character yeah i was i was interested because i wondered how they would do it and if they would have any ballet in it because i didn't actually go in expecting there to be dancing or right yeah me neither yeah and so i was actually really glad that they kind of created a little ballet within this world um to explain a part of the story which was very fun um and you know then there was some there was some dancing in it but i was I liked the way that they kind of took the idea of the world of the Nutcracker and the different realms, you know, from the music um, mm-hmm. and created worlds within that. You know, the snowflakes, the flowers, um, the the land of sweets, that kind of stuff. I thought that was really fun and very imaginative and definitely a part of everything that you expect from this kind of production. So I was I was pretty happy with the storyline. I think the one thing for the storyline that kind of surprised me was that in many ways this movie is about a mother's death and coming to terms with that and the impact that it's had on this family and I think for me that was the thing I I, I went in I didn't read any reviews you know I I only kind of really knew that this was going to be a movie around the idea of the worlds of the nutcracker mm-hmm. so I didn't really have anything expectations and so to go in and and really have this be a movie about where especially our main character Clara and her family are dealing with the repercussions of their mom being dead for about a year now I thought was really fascinating and because you don't really get a lot of kids movies um, where the main theme of the movie is dealing with death Right, because, I mean, you would think usually they would probably upset kids too much by doing that, so they just don't. But I will, oops, sorry. I will add to that, though, if you think about um, all of the Disney movies of the past, I mean, a lot of them lost parents, so they kind of do. It's like you don't think about that uh, consciously when you're watching it, but then thinking back, I'm like, well... Um, Ariel didn't have a mother and the little mermaid and Bambi lost his mother. And, you know, like it's, there's all these characters in Disney that lose parents. Um, 
But I, I do agree with you and think that that was an interesting way to go with this, especially because the ballet had no inkling of any of anything like death. Um, so it, that was part of their uh, rewriting, um, adding some things to the story. And I think that worked because I think in general, the ballet, although it's beautiful and has this great music, could be a little fluffy, I guess I would say and not have a ton of depth of the story. And so I feel like them having to deal with something as serious as her mother's death gives more weight to this movie and makes it more compelling for you because, you know, otherwise mm -hmm. it's just a lot of, you know, I guess similar to like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe without the war. Yeah, um, you know, it is very interesting. There is There are some similarities to different... Um, movies that Disney has done, you know, they were a part of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, and then of course there is a Santa Claus two element in here um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that if you're paying attention, you'll catch. Um, but it was fascinating to me that really the the main story is about how a young girl comes to grips with the loss of her mother and the way that impacts the question of who she will be going forward. And I thought, you know, again, it's it's just not something that you expect for a movie to deal with that's kind of aimed at kids. But in, in many ways, you know, Harry Potter is a whole series, and J.K. Rowling has said this, about death. Mm -hmm. um, and learning to uh, deal with the ramifications of the fact that we die um, and what we believe about death and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so this was, uh, you know, I, I thought it was kind of a heavy subject for the movie to deal with, but I thought it was also interesting that they, they actually try to say something about that and that the way in which, you know, this mother's death impacts each of the different characters in the movie and specifically, you know, our main character, Clara, she's having a very difficult time finding a way through, you know, um, she's been hiding herself in her... Um, in, in the attic, um, spending a lot of time just kind of uh, sheltered away from the rest of the world, not really kind of wanting to deal with that. And, and, and that seclusion in, in many ways is kept her away from really uh, having to interact with even family members, you know, mm -hmm. um, because she, she just isn't, um, she isn't wanting to kind of deal with, I guess, the ramifications of the death of her mother. And in, in a lot of ways, I thought it was fascinating because the, the traveling to the world of the Nutcracker and these realms is a reflection, and it becomes just a reflection of what's going on inside of her. And so when we go to that world, it, it's what's really happening if you're looking at the thematic elements of the movie, it's just a reflection of the battle that's raging on inside of Clara. And we actually get to just see it. And so the entire the fantasy part of the movie is actually a representation of what's happening in her. Um, and I thought that was really, really a neat way to do that. Again, there's so much depth to this movie that I just don't feel like I've... Like, I've kind of looked at some of the reviews afterwards and I don't feel like anybody's really picking up what this movie's actually trying to do and, and asking if that works at all. They're just, I think it, they're just on the surface of like, you know, oh, it's, you know, beautiful or whatever. Or they just feel like it's 
it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And it's just like, wow, I feel like this movie is doing a lot of things and, and people are just kind of missing the like the forest and the trees. And they're not connecting the dots to what the deeper meanings are behind mm-hmm. everything. Right. Yeah, I like that you're saying that the each realm is like a reflection of what her psyche is going through. I definitely feel like the whole thing with her hiding away in the attic and playing with toys was just avoiding dealing with it ever. That she was just going to act like her mom wasn't gone and she didn't have to leave this safe space anymore. And her father is the only one who's like, no, you're going to come out and deal with it and, you know, live life because like it or not, things are still going on out here. And, you know, you kind of identify with Clara at the beginning of that feeling that, no, that's not fair. What if I don't want to deal with it? Why are you making me do this? Right. You know, of what it's like to be a kid, basically. You know, she doesn't understand. Um, And I really like that the story, both as the ballet and the movie, is of Clara growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's no longer being this whiny child it's learning how to deal with things as an adult would and seeing things from her father's point of view yeah no i i absolutely agree because you know one of the things that we see reflected is is her father even chides her um before she kind of ends up in this other realm which is you know why are you being so selfish Mm -hmm. about this you know and in in many ways and and part of uh, the the thing that i thought was so interesting about the movie is again dealing with the mother's death and this reflection then within Clara is that you know the younger you are the harder it is to deal with this kind of subject and she's right on the verge of being a young woman here you know she's in her early teens it seems Mm -hmm. so she's probably 13 14 something like that and you really get the sense of that you know that is the the time period and, and the time when parents are trying to get their their children to to be less selfish and think more about others and um you know this world is not just about you um you know it's it's not all about you and that's pretty much what he's saying to her and she still can't see that and so when she goes to the land of the nutcracker and all of these different realms the reflection that we get is the two parts of her you have the part of her that's like sugar plum who's selfish and just wants to hide herself and wants to protect herself and wants to try and control everything um, to the point where she like she's in charge. Like anything that she can be in charge of, she's going to try and control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she's going to try and barricade herself behind, like we were, you were saying, you know, up in the attic, behind toys, behind all of these things so she doesn't have to deal with what's happened. She thinks it's going to protect her. Whereas you have the other side, the other part of her, which is the mother ginger part of her, which is the person who wants to pick up the pieces and find a way forward. And what's so fascinating to me is you have, you know, the the sugar plum fairy who you think is going to be the good character, and you realize she's the reflection of. Clara, who's actually been hurting her family, mm-hmm. 
by not being there for them, by not putting them her in their shoes. And so you, you actually see that reflection in the destruction of the land of amusements mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and the kind of the, the way that the, her selfishness is laid waste to parts of the heart of her father specifically. Mm-hmm. And I just, I thought it was so neat that we go into this these realms and and we get to actually see the ramifications of the choices that Clara has been making as a young girl and dealing with her mother's death. And we get to watch the battle rage in her, mm-hmm. literally on screen, um, to see what part of her is going to win. Is she going to become the person who will close herself off and protect herself behind walls of tin soldiers? Or is she going to be the person who um, wants to find a way forward for everyone, not just her? Right. Um, and I thought that was really cool. I agree. And and I think you can even see the selfishness, too, in the fact that she even thinks when she's initially going into the realms that it's about her getting a Christmas gift. And then she finds it and it's all about her getting her key back. And she's like, look, I just want to get my key and go home. I don't care about any of you guys. So, uh, yeah, I totally see that transformation, too, of her realizing what her mother meant that everything you need is inside is already inside you and she keeps trying to figure out what that means and eventually gets there but you know you do see that moment when she opens the egg and is still going I finally got it open and there's nothing in here you know like uh, all of this was for nothing and you're going oh you're still not getting it Clara (laughs) That's a hard lesson to learn, you know, and, and, and one and a difficult way to learn this lesson, you know, having your parent die and having to realize in that that it isn't all about you. It's mm-hmm. not just about you. And that's a that's a hard thing for any of us to learn. And I think, you know, for most of our lives, we're probably relearning that lesson every once in a while because it's our inclination to be selfish. It's our inclination to think about ourselves first and self-protect, mm-hmm. especially when bad things happen. And I, I really think that this movie does a great job for kids and even adults, um, you know, and especially for, I think, families to be able to talk through these kind of issues. And, you know, not necessarily just the fact of maybe if a parent dies, but the idea of what it means to be a person that thinks about others as much as you think about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And to put others first. And, and that's what Clara's journey is going from somebody who is utterly selfish um, to properly selfless. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that about the film because, uh, you know, it, it's also reflective of, I think, the world in which we live today where you see the the destruction that selfishness causes you know as silly as it is you know this happening in these these realms the the impact of people living their lives only for themselves is clearly seen in this movie and i think they do a good job of showing the repercussions of that kind of behavior yes it's in a fantasy land right but what it's reflecting is is what Clara has actually been doing to her family right since the death of her mother and I think that's the thing that makes it so powerful because it's it's the 
illustration. You know, this is this is the parable of what's actually been happening, and that's what allows her to be able to learn this lesson in the end. And I think it's it's powerful. I, I thought that you know the more I've thought about it, the more I've liked what they did with this film because they they took it they took something that could just be frivolous, mm-hmm. like you were talking about the the ballet All fluff, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's fun, but it, it is kind of frivolous in the end. And this has taken that and turned it into something that I think is actually um, a, a really nice lesson for anyone. You know, I, I definitely, the more I've thought about it, the more I've started to take that idea to heart. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I've seen the way that selfishness uh, and my <laughs> thought process and not putting myself in other people's shoes... Mm-hmm has impacted them, you know? I, I think anybody can look back on their lives and see a litany of damage that they've caused other people because you haven't thought of other people. Yeah, and and I even thought of something else that I took from it that, um, you know, I didn't actively think about before, but it's that um, whole thing about, you know, people aren't always what they seem or you can't just believe what others tell you about a person because, you know, it, we thought Sugar Plum would be the good guy and that, you know, all of them talking about Mother Ginger being so awful was just the way things were, taking it with, you know, without any grain of salt. And you can't just believe what people tell you about someone and not investigate it at all because it ended up being completely the opposite. And it was Mother Ginger and a mouse <laughs> trying to tell her that how things actually were and to save everyone. Um, I, I will add, I felt like the whole situation with the mice wasn't given enough justice. And that may sound silly, but in the ballet, I felt like, you know, it was about the mouse King being there and it, having mm-hmm. a lot more yeah. involvement. And then all his little minions, um, you know, trying to steal her away. And then in the movie, I felt like, you know, you see the wind up mice twice for just a couple seconds. And then the Mouse King, that whole strange thing with him being able to compile all the mice into one giant mouse and yeah. grab her. <laughs> was a little weird. Um, but yeah, he was just kind of there and not really as much part of the, the main story. Well, and I think I think you are right, and I, I I think you have a good point that I do wish that that had been more fleshed out, because you know the thing that they're playing on is your expectations that the mice and and the mouse king is going to be bad, mm-hmm. and they flip that on its head and make them the good guys. And like you said, it is a it, it is definitely a part of the film, and I think it's a really important part of the film, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. I didn't even think to put it on the outline, but yes, that whole idea of that um, appearances are deceiving. You know, mm-hmm. do not judge a uh, a <laughs> a flower by its cover or a sweet by its taste. You know, like it just because something looks good, um, it doesn't necessarily mean it is, and that you have to judge everything with with wisdom and discernment, and really test a a, a person's claims to see if they're actually true. You know, um, and that's something I get, I think, too, you know, I was just reading a, a book and uh, the author was talking about this idea of, you know, uh, that we have biases in our lives and we spend a lot of our lives just confirming those biases with confirmation bias. 
Like we just find information that kind of continues to feed what we think instead of actually truly challenging our ideas to see if they still hold up. Oh yeah. With the most challenging of, 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 uh, ideas. And so I think that's something that I really appreciate about the film is, is, you know, she comes in and just immediately buys Clara does uh, buys what the sugar plum fairy tells her. Little does she know is that the sugar plum fairy has been lying to everybody else in the realm too. Right. You know, and, um, and in many ways, again, this is a reflection of what Clara has been doing. She's been lying to herself by not dealing with truly what happened with her mother. And in turn, she's been hurting her family, you know. And so all of those things, I think, tie together so well the thematic elements of what they're trying to do in the film. I was really impressed with that. And I think it's, it's again, it's just... I didn't go in expecting to get any of that, you know, right. um, I kind of expected to be a fun Disney romp. And what I got was something I think much more heartfelt, much more heartwarming and much more touching. Um, and I think, you know, somebody, I, I did read somewhere that they said this movie kind of lacks a sense of Christmas. Um, but I think that isn't that the whole meaning of Christmas in the first place is putting aside yourself for others. Right. I it's mean, about giving rather than receiving. Right. And so this movie, I think, absolutely confirms and, and, and it celebrates the best of what the Christmas spirit means. Right. I mean, just because it wasn't full of Santa, more nutcrackers, you know, it, um, trees, all of the things that you would think, you know, Christmas trees that people traditionally think Christmas is about. It was more about the, like you said, the the true meaning of it and that it's about giving, it's about selflessness um, and, you know, reflecting on who you want to be. I think that it didn't need to be a Christmas movie in the sense of, you know, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> I think that it provides right. enough without having to go that route. And still, I think that if, you know, kids are too young to get all the all of the layers of this, they could still enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, this this movie when we're talking about these kind of deep layers that it does have, I I really do believe that it does something that's kind of special when it comes to to this type of film in the sense that it really is striving to tell a story that is m- has more depth that has more to it than just oh wasn't that fun that you know these things happened and wasn't that exciting when we went to the land of like sugar plums and candy and stuff like that like this is a movie that's really working hard at telling a story that means something more than just um being pretty right you know and i i think the fact that the movie is willing to deal with the questions of who do I want to be as a person in light of what I've seen my my parent be and now I've lost them? Like that's a that is just a really deep and and beautiful question to be talking about. And so like uh, we talked a little bit before um but some of the cast I for me I I love Mackenzie Foy because um she was in Interstellar and she's his daughter in that movie. Mm. 
and I and she's fantastic in that movie. Like I, I think she's really great. Um, I thought she was pretty good here. I think that, um, I do kind of agree with you a little bit. I feel like I wanted just a little bit more. Um, I feel like I wish they would have given her just a little bit, um, more. I feel like I, I, they could have given her some more, um, like truly emotional scenes. Yeah. And that would have been great. Um, but the the moment at the end when she's with her father, it it made me tear up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. When <laughs> you know they finally come back together and like she's apologizing, um, and he's trying to apologize to her, and she's really saying no. It, it's I. It was my fault. You know, yeah. like I, you know, and and like really owning up to her mistakes, um, and taking responsibility for what she's been doing to her family and specifically her father who she has seemed to have forgotten that her, like, as he said, and, and I have to say Matthew McFadden as her father was fantastic too, but just that whole thing of him saying, I lost the love of my life. Right. You know, I, I, I don't get that back. And I just, I felt like that's the scene where I was like, I feel like they could have done a couple more scenes, maybe a specifically in the realms where she was kind of maybe having a breakdown or something. Mm-hmm. Where they could have given her even more to do that way, I think it would have been really good. But I still, I still really appreciated her for the most part. I did feel like she was a um, pretty good most of the time, but I, I felt like her as a an actress in this movie was a, a little bit lacking in some of the scenes that were supposed to be emotional. I didn't wasn't feeling as much emotion from her as I expected to be. Um, but overall, I do think, you know, she did amazingly well for her age as well. Um, I I did especially love the scene at the end with her father when she's apologizing and finally gives him a dance. Because, you know, especially um, remembering being a young girl myself, um, you know, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a Girl Scout and my dad went with me to the daddy daughter dance and that it was just a really like nice moment to have dancing with your dad. Um mm. So it's really sweet, especially in light of him losing his wife and her losing her mom to then have that moment again as the time when they're reconciling. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, Yeah. that meant a lot to me. Um, I did, I did like that they didn't make her relationship with the nutcracker as much of a like romantic feeling thing. Mm, Right. Yeah. Because you you still want to so feel like she's more like a young a, girl, almost like a brother. Yeah, not like they're dating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I'm definitely glad of that too. I think, um, and I thought, um, I, and I might butcher his name, so forgive me. Um, uh, Jaden Foyer Knight, uh, who played uh, Captain Philip Hoffman, the Nutcracker. I I thought he was very funny. Like mm-hmm. he had very good timing, and I I really enjoyed that he played the role as somebody who doesn't completely, truly understand the emotions of the scenes that he's in because he's a nutcracker. Exactly, you know, he's supposed like, to be a little stiff. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I thought he did it well. Um, but there were some moments, especially like towards the end, um, where I I, I thought he had some nice fun emotional uh resonance and yeah he was a really fun character and again i think you're right on to call out that um it's good that they don't go the romantic route because that's not what the story is about 
you know, this is a story about a young girl coming to deal with uh, the loss of her mother. This isn't about her needing to fall in love with anyone. Right. And that she's probably still a little too young. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you can kind of go there if you want. um, But I I don't think this movie needs that. I think this is a, a, this really is a, a story about somebody overcoming the loss of a parent and it, it would feel kind of forced, I think, to shove in a romance. Yeah. And so I agree with you. You know, if they ever wanted to make another one. Then maybe they could you move know, on and from she's there. she's a little bit older. Yeah. But I, I did say, I did want to say I also um, teared up a little bit when he was telling Clara goodbye. Mm. Because the yeah. look on his face is like his best friend has to leave. And he's kind mm-hmm. of tearing up and I'm going, I know, I don't want to say goodbye either. Yeah, no, I agree with you. There was there was a really nice moment between them where you know he is it, it it is almost like he has this realization of oh no she's she's going and I I may never see her again mm-hmm. and I think there was there was a the I feel like we're coming to the same thing is that the end of the movie had I think had the best moments emotionally yes um. And they really did a good job, I think, for the most part of kind of bringing home some of those moments we we were hoping that there would be just a little bit more of throughout the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, though, I'm pretty sure that Keira Knightley had a blast in this role because she seemed to be relishing playing the evil, wicked witch of the, you know, evil, wicked fairy of the West. Yeah. Like, she was fantastic. I think... I don't know how they did her voice, but I feel like if she was intentionally speaking in that high a pitch all the time, she was really milking it and enjoying it. <laughs> and I probably would have I been I think too. she was trying to be as almost like she wanted it to be as sticky, sweet and obnoxious as possible. And she does a great job of yeah. it. Yeah. Like a really great job of it. And her hair really does look like cotton candy. I have to applaud it the costuming. Does. That that was one of my favorite laughs, and the whole thing was when they're watching the ballet, and it starts to get to the scary part, the quote unquote scary part, and she starts to eat her own hair. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> but it it definitely was unexpected to have her turn and be the villain, and um, I really felt like in that moment where Clara confronts her about, you know, what are you doing? Why are you being like this? It you see that although what she's doing is bad, that Sugar Plum is doing it because she also misses Marie, mm-hmm. and that they're also all dealing with her death, just dealing with it in the wrong mm-hmm. way. And I think Kira Knightley's character as the Sugar Plum Fairy does a great job of showing the the turmoil that this kind of thing causes, and and what's going on in Clara's character. Which is this 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 self protective desire? Like I don't ever want to be hurt like this again. Mm-hmm. Somebody left me. Somebody abandoned me. And that's such a you know if somebody you love dies, they didn't do it on purpose. You know, um, I guess unless yeah, they they don't almost never have done it on purpose. So let's put it that yeah. way. Um, and so something has has caused that to happen, and it's most likely been out of their control but you still can have those feelings of abandonment and i thought the way that they kind of brought that out in the kira knightley character there 
gave you that wonderful picture of what's going on with Clara and, and why she's been the way she's been. And But it also shows, like you said, the self-destructive nature of that and how much that hurts everyone around them, mm-hmm. you know, is when you lash out like that um, instead of kind of deal with what's actually happening, um, you try to not deal with it. And it causes anger and resentment and bitterness and self-protection and all of those kind of things. And yeah, Kira Knightley's performance, I think she just relishes getting to, to do that kind of character. She doesn't get to play the bad person very often, mm-hmm. but I thought she did a great job. Or to be so over the top, almost like yeah. uh, from Hunger Games or something, the lady that said, uh, I think it was Elizabeth Banks played, may the odds yes, be ever in yes, your yes, favor. Yes, yes, yes. She reminded me of Effie, that. yeah. Yep. Now, you're absolutely right. It is that type of character. And, and of course, she ends up turning evil. So, it, yeah, that was really nice. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, uh, to me, uh, I've I've seen Matthew McFadden be in a couple of uh, films. One of my favorites is um, the Keira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. um, where he plays Mr. Knightley. And he does... He played the father in the film so well. Like, I, I just, the, 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 the few scenes that he's in, he does everything you need to do so you feel the pain that he's going through as a father, trying to, especially when you think about the time period this movie takes place, like maybe late 18th century to early 19th century. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is a very, this is kind of a non-emotional time for men, right? So he's trying to hold his family together uh, with the loss of a woman he obviously loved dearly. And that is not an easy thing. And I felt like he did a fantastic job of, of portraying that in the very little screen time that he has. I absolutely agree with you. And I have to say, I had only ever seen him in Pride and Prejudice other than this movie. And I have that movie on Blu-ray. And my husband will tell you I watch it way too much. Um he it's my favorite version of that that story mine too with you and but i wanted to say though his performance in that movie and this movie i felt the similarity in that he knows how to work the muscles in his face so well for what the scene is calling for emotionally i feel like with him in particular as an actor anytime i can see what his eyebrows are doing and know what he's feeling and it's so weird to say that about an actor, but I feel like he's so good at that. He's also good looking, but that's not all of it. Um, and I feel like he did that as the father in this movie. Um, it, you know, just with his eyes, he conveyed to her the loss and the extreme sadness that he was feeling. And then, you know, finally in the end, they talk about it. But before it was more of just like him seeing his other daughter in his wife's dress and he didn't say anything. It was just the way he looked at her was, mm-hmm. I forgot yes. about that dress. So yeah, he, he was brilliant. He is very good at emotion uh, in any scene, but he's specifically good at portraying heartbreak mm-hmm. that's happening internally. And like you said, it just kind of shows up on his face in the exact way that you would want in the scene. And so yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I think he does such a fantastic job in the film in this um, and so I really appreciated that they got him in the role in fact my wife leans over to me and it's like I didn't know he was in this movie <laughs> yeah um, I didn't and either. I was like I didn't either <laughs> uh, so yeah I thought that that was great 
Um, I will say that, you know, if you cast Helen Mirren in a role in a film, I kind of expect her to have more to do. And she really didn't have very much to do in this movie. And I was a little bit disappointed that Lady uh, Mother Ginger just didn't have more to that role. Because, again, it's Helen Mirren and she's an Oscar winning actress. She is amazing. And I mean, it's not like it was bad or anything. It's just she didn't have a ton to do in the film which kind of shocked me yeah it it was interesting too the way that they went with um her character being the woman in the giant dress with the clowns Mm -hmm. because i did always remember that from the ballet and thought it was such a funny thing and then they now made it so creepy (laughs) Um, oh so creepy yeah the clowns especially and how their bodies could come apart um i could see that giving a kid nightmares but but what little Helen Mirren had in this movie, I do felt like obviously she did a great job. She was good at mm-hmm. it at when they wanted you to think she was a villain at coming across creepy and mistrusting. Um, yes. And then realizing who she was talking to, you suddenly kind of see her soften. And then later you get it, obviously, when they turn it around and let you know she's not the villain. Um but I did want to say too, I like the makeup that they did on her face to mm-hmm. come across like yes. a broken toy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it looked like a, a a China doll that had been glued back together that still had pieces missing. Yeah, and it always really was cool. that perfect. And I I just thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, no, that was really great. No, I think that's a good uh, time to kind of talk about the production of the movie, because I do think that's a big part of the this film. And one of the things that I really did enjoy was just, I feel like, I wouldn't say, for for the most part, the CGI is pretty good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the places where the movie really, uh, production-wise, excelled was in the places that it, it felt like a set that you're on. Um, so like when they were in the fourth realm in the forest, you know, and it's you, it's a big set, right? You know, it's like um, Fangorn Forest and and uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. It is just a massive set that they've created, mm-hmm. um, but it feels real, and I felt like it it had this really tactile nature to it, which was great. Um, and then the rest of the production design of just kind of creating this really magnificent. Uh, otherworldliness to everything but then you had some nice little touches like the fact that the castle looks like you know um, something you would see in Moscow in Russia which you know references the the fact that this is Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker music and everything so I thought that the production value of the movie and just the design work for the costumes um, and everything that they did in that way really popped off a screen and it felt like one of those kind of big grand Disney movie adventures that you would get from, you know, back in the day. Yes. It, it had so much that made it so grand and beautiful and colorful. I think that that was a big point that added to it was that everything was very bright in the four realms. Mm -hmm. And then by contrast, you know, the, I'm sorry, in the three of them. And then by contrast, the land of amusements being all dark and like everything is dead um, was a really good visual element to it. Um, I loved what they did with the costumes. I wished that I was one of the women in these beautiful, you know, old dresses dancing around a ballroom. Um, 
And I, I will add too how you said some of the scenes felt like a set because they wanted you to, especially right. during the scenes where they had ballet in the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yes. the pieces that folded like a pop-up book? Yes. Oh, that was amazing. I love that when they do amazing. that. That was amazing when that the ballerina first comes out and they keep pulling up the different parts of the castle. Oh, I loved that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I recently saw that in another movie. Um, oh, I finally watched Anna Karenina and they kind oh, of yeah, film it yeah. the same he, way. He, yep. Speaking of mm-hmm. Kira Knightley. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I know Joe Wright does that specifically to create that that feeling of uh, life being a stage, you mm-hmm. know. And so he puts all the characters in Karenina um, specifically on a stage, and you get that that very um, theater feel to a big screen movie. So yeah, absolutely. I loved all of the production um, and how it all came together on this movie, especially. And I think you couldn't have really have done it justice without that because the ballet i mean i you know the more i read up on it in our research for this um it was the most popular ballet arguably of all time yes i mean it's the most known the music even people could hear and suddenly realize oh yeah that's the nutcracker i mean you hear it in commercials it's everywhere Mm -hmm. so yeah i I think you needed all of that to to put together and make this a great movie and do the ballet justice you know it's funny because we didn't even really mention that uh you know you've got morgan freeman in the film oh yeah and uh the fact that he plays dulcemeyer um and her her grandfather and you know i just kind of i i thought he was great in the movie as well um but i just loved even the production value of the world of his like when you're in his workshop mm-hmm. and all of that i thought was really fantastic and kind of even uh, the thought process and production value that w- goes all the way to the fact that there's an owl that follows her around and in many mm-hmm. cultures owls represent the spirits of the dead and so I thought it was very interesting that that owl follows her around for the, the entire movie. And then once her father and her start dancing, it flies away. Oh, I never and got so that. It's almost as like, yeah. So it's like they did a, a lot of little things in this movie. I thought that were really just very smart. And again, it's just these little pieces. that I think a lot of people, I feel like the little bit that I've read of some of the reviews and stuff, I just feel like people have missed. And, and to me, this, this feels like a movie that is meant to be shared with families to talk about and to watch and to um, to be able to digest together and have important conversations about because this movie isn't just a fun romp. It really is saying something about some of the most important things about life, about who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do if, you know, um, we happen to lose somebody. And, and what I love is in the end, it really is about a little girl learning that after the loss of her mother, does she want to represent the best of what her mother left her? Or does she want to um, to tarnish that memory by being somebody who pulls away from everybody else and pulls away that gift um, from everybody and ends up hurting them in the end? And so... Mm-hmm. I just didn't expect that from this movie when I went into it, which is great. Yeah, I felt exactly the same way. I I did not think it was going to hit me in the feels, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) 
So if you were to give this movie a rating, um, how many feels would you give it, do you think? <laughs> That's a good rating system to go by. Uh, I I talked about this because uh, I went to see it with my aunt, um, ironically, the first person I ever saw the ballet with. Um, and we talked about it after. And I will say my opinion has gone up since you and I have talked through it and some things that I missed. Um, so I, I would give it a 7 out of 10 feels. Um Oh, that's good. Because I do feel like it had this depth that made it such a better story. Um, I feel like it, you know, something we didn't even mention as much was the music, you know, that they they used some Mm, of the original Tchaikovsky stuff. But then there was actually a song written for this movie by uh, Bocelli and his son. Mm -hmm. Um, A song called Fall on Me, which if you just listen to that, it's just beautiful. Um so I encourage people to listen to it. Um, and it really had um, all of the design work that I would expect for such a grand adventure kind of ballet to then be made into a film. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there really wasn't much lacking for me other than what I said about, you know, I felt like Clara, her character didn't get as much development as I would have liked and then um, her, the girl as, as an actress, I felt like could have been a little bit better. I'm right there with you. You know, I, w- I would say it was uh, three and a half out of five feels, which I think becomes a seven out of ten. Um, I, I really do. I, I, I liked this movie a lot. And the more I have thought about it, the more I have enjoyed it. And I think that's something that it's, it's just kind of really special special to to find a movie that is safe for the whole family Mm -hmm. but really has a lot to say to the whole family um and i highly encourage you know if you are a parent and you're listening to this i think this is a movie that you really can um go and enjoy with your kids but then have some great things to talk about with your kids and i think it has the kind of lessons that you would want from kind of a fairy tale story you know the the good moral uh, lessons that you would want to be sharing with your kids. And I think that's really something that we miss um, sometimes. And so I really appreciate that that was a part of the film. And like you said, too, I, I've got the soundtrack. I've been listening to it. James Newton Howard did a great job of working in all of these themes from Tchaikovsky. Um, it, they have a wonderful piano soloist, um, uh, Lang Lang, um, who is an amazing pianist doing some of the uh, work there as well. Um, and so I, you know, being a fan of, of the, the music of Tchaikovsky and, and the Nutcracker itself, I really appreciated what they did here. And so, yeah, I think this is a great fun adventure film. You know, it's a great way to start off the holiday season um, for families. Mm-hmm. I do kind of think it's interesting that this movie comes out now. Because I think if it came out closer to Christmas, it might be even better for the film. Um, but I highly encourage you, you know, if you wanted to get your family into the holiday spirit already, this is the great way to do it. So I think you should go see The Nutcracker in the Four Realms. So. Which leads me to say, I'm just, I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about it because um, I really enjoyed the movie and I didn't know what to expect you know and and sadly this movie has not gotten great reviews and I don't know why I don't think this movie deserves the bad reviews that it's getting I think that it's actually um as we talked about I think it's really well done there's a few things that you know I would have done a little bit differently 
But on a whole, I really enjoyed watching it, and and I'm glad that I saw it. And it's definitely one that I think I will probably visit, um, you know, in subsequent Christmases. You know, this would be a, it's it's a movie that I I would enjoy rewatching at this time of the year and adding to my Christmas watch list. So. Glad we got a chance to talk about it. Really appreciate um, the associate producers here we have through Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah. I re- these guys have been supporting the show for a long time. And um, this is a huge network. There's nothing and there's no way we could possibly do this without their support through Patreon. Um, so go over to patreon.com slash and see how you can become part of our team today. There are some great perks and some great contribution levels with uh, that come with those. So check that out. Um, but honestly, every little bit helps. So help all of the shows from Trek FM keep coming to you each and every week by going to patreon.com slash Trek FM and seeing how you can help us out, making sure that all this content doesn't leave the airwaves. But uh, Christy, I'm really excited that we got a chance to do this. Um, you're going to be back um, later on this month to talk about some other things with us here as we wrap up the last Bond movie <gasps> until, I guess, Daniel Craig's next Bond movie comes out, which is kind of sad. <sighs> but where can everybody find you if they want to check out what you are doing all over the interwebs? Thank you. Sure. Uh, you can find me, of course, here on 602 Club regularly talking about um, now moving on from Bond, but going to be um, doing some other things like uh, Iron Fist Season 2. And uh, also I am co-host on Galactic Fashion with my friend Teresa Delgado talking about um, all kinds of geek fashion for women, men, kids, everybody. Um, and then I do occasionally write as well. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Best Ben Bell. And make sure that you do check out Christy at all of those places. And yes, I am very excited to say that honestly, um, Christy's going to be a featured guest here basically on the 602 Club this month. Uh, So the cot is ready for you. I hope it's comfy. Um, And uh, we'll have your drinks for free this month. Uh, But you can also find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. I'm on Instagram under the same name. If you enjoy movies, find me over on Letterboxd. I'm M rushing zero two over there. You can follow all of uh, what I'm watching and uh, reviews and that kind of stuff. I'm also here on the network doing another show with uh, my good friend Chris as we talk about Deep Space Nine on the Orb. I'm over on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Owl Post, and that is where Drea Kaufman and I talk about Harry Potter. We are going through every single book in the series. One chapter at a time. In fact, by the time this episode drops, we will have just dropped the episode that finishes The Gombo to Fire. So we only have three books left. Um, and uh, I'm also doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills, which uh, we just have a delightful time talking about something Star Wars each and every week. So I hope you'll check out both of those shows. And then last but not least, I also do a show with my friend Courtney as we talk about films through the lens of faith, and that show is called Cinema Stories. And you can find any of those shows, mine or Christie's, wherever you get your podcasts, so please listen and subscribe. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now here. Here.